We are continuing a series. Actually, we're closing it out. Next week is Easter, and today is Palm Sunday. We're not teaching a traditional Palm Sunday service. Uh, hopefully, you got the devotional uh, that we talked about the, with Palm Sunday and a little bit of worship as a church. Um, we really do look forward to celebrating Easter together. Palm Sunday is that uh, celebration of the start of Holy Week when Jesus came into Jerusalem, and they put down the palm branches, and they celebrated him as king, and then little, literally less than a week later, ended up crucifying him with a sign that said King of the Jews. And so uh, we look forward to next week kind of bringing that story to life and talking about the significance of uh, not just the Palm Sunday and the Holy Week, uh, but also Good Friday, um, Saturday, which has its own significance, and then celebrating Resurrection Sunday together. So hopefully you'll be uh, tuning in for that and sharing that with people to tune in online as well. People in your top five, this is a great time to invite them. Uh, they don't even have to physically come to church. They can just do it from the comfort of their own home. Today, again, we're closing out a series called Bear Fruit. We wanted to do this series uh, that, that ties into our core ambition of growing. How do we continue to grow in our faith, grow in our spiritual journey, right? And part of that is just what does it look like to, to have spiritual fruit? Not this fruit, this is for an illustration uh, later, but have spiritual fruit in our life. And it comes from one of Paul's letters as he uses it as an example, an illustration of living this life, this spirit-filled, fruit-filled life. Um, and I want to read that for you, a couple different translations just to get us started uh, this morning. From Galatians 5, this is where you'll find it. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things, right? I also want us to think about, this is the, the message paraphrase that kind of talks about the heart of those, of those phrases, right? This is from Eugene Peterson's paraphrases. What happens when we live God's way versus our way? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people, that God made all things. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life and able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Legalism is helpless in bringing this about, and it only gets in the way. Let me just leave that verse up for a minute. I want you to just think about this. This is his paraphrased to when, to when Paul said, you know, there's no law against these things. He's saying, look, it's not about legalism. It's not about the rules. It's not about rule following. It's actually helpless when it comes to this. And it only gets in the way. And that's actually where we're going to be spending most of our time today. As a quick uh, recap to where Chris, Pastor Chris, brought us last week is the idea, again, that it's not a checklist. It's not, a, it's not about being perfect or perfectionism. It's not about getting things uh, all right. As a matter of fact, if you notice, truth or being right is not a fruit of the Spirit, right? You may have argued with your sister at the last dinner party you had, and uh, you may have told her all the things. You may have been right, uh, but you may have not at all exhibited or expressed any of the fruit of the Spirit. But it doesn't matter because you were right. And that's, God, that's a big deal for us. We need to know that is not a part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's not about that. It's about what Chris talked about last week is how does fruit grow? 
I think that's the question he asked. Now, I will not do the invitation uh, that he gave. That is exclusive rights to Chris uh, Denning. And I will ha- that's worth going back and watching the video right there is when he tries to answer the question, how does fruit grow? But he walked us through the process for spiritual fruit, encounter, formation, expression. The encounters that we have every day and with God, the opportunities that we have that we encounter, the formation which leads to the transformation and the renewing of our mind, and the expression, the way it's lived out. And it's all a process of this fruit of the Spirit. As Paul says, this is what this looks like to those who are living according to God's way, who are living by the Spirit. I want us, again, spend our time today talking about why it is that legalism doesn't help, why it is that we struggle already, many of us struggle, to see the fruit come alive in our life. I've had lots of conversations with with believers and Christians that Listen, they struggle to even really feel that they have confidence in their faith, in their journey, because they don't see fruit in their life. And that's a real struggle for people. They may not admit it, you know, in their small group. They may not admit it with close friends and family or even with their spouse. But sometimes when we talk about things like this, they start to self-reflect and they struggle because they they don't really think they see the fruit that we're talking about, the characteristics of what a spirit-led and fruit-filled life looks like. And I want to talk today about why. Why is that a struggle? Not just, Chris did a great job talking about the process, but we're going to take it one step further and talk about how, why is it we don't even see that process at work in our life. And in order to do that, I want to take us back to the context of why did Paul even give this illustration to begin with? He's writing the church in Galatia. He's he's talking to them about several things. And in the second half of the chapter, he's talking about how we live our lives. Second half of the book, we're talking about how we live our lives. And so I want to just look at the whole chapter, uh, chapter 5, in terms of this part of his letter, in terms of the context. Why did he even give the illustration of what this looks like? And there's a reason, because of where they were and what they were struggling with. So we go back to Galatians 5. This is one of my favorite passages, if you heard me preach on this before. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and you don't get tied up again into slavery to the law. That's a big, this is a big deal to live your verse by, to live your life by. Christ has set you free. Paul's writing all this to say, I want you to stay free. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. This is something very specific for this church. I say it again, if you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you're trying to, again, make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ and you have fallen away from God's grace. That's that's a heavy statement. No one wants to to fall away from the amazing and beautiful grace of God. And then he says it this way, but we who live by the Spirit. Now this is going to be, in all of chapter 5, you're going to see this theme happen here in this phrase. We who live by the Spirit, we eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised us. For when we place our faith in Christ, Jesus, there is no benefit in being being circumcised or being uncircumcised. It's like, it doesn't matter. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Faith expressing itself in love. 
Now, I want you to understand again from the context. Paul is talking to the church about a very specific problem. He's saying, look, Christ has set you free and you need to stay free. And many of you as Christians are not free because you are struggling with something that you have placed in your life as a rule of something you're called to do. And Paul is basically saying, look, if you add this, this sort of this thing to your list of things you need to do outside of surrendering your life to Christ, outside of living his way, all the things that Christ said, uh, you know, teach, baptize him, teach, him my, teach the disciples, make disciples, teach him what I've commanded, which is to love God and love others. Like he said, I want, there, there were a lot of churches and a lot of Christians this day. Paul would spend many of his letters addressing this issue. But they said, well, that's all great, but you also have to do this in order to be right with God. You also have to do this in order to really experience this, the way, if you will, living in relationship with God. And Paul just fights it and fights it and fights it and says, listen, guys, this is not a rule book. This is not a checklist. Okay, circumcision is off the table. Matter of fact, it really, it's not that it's bad. He says, it doesn't matter if you are circumcised or you're uncircumcised. What matters is in in terms of, again, we're looking at this in the context of him talking about the fruit of the Spirit. He said, what matters is your faith expressing itself. Remember, encounter, formation, expression, expressing itself in love. And the way I like to look at this, especially in light of the fruit, is that love... Love isn't just the first thing listed as a fruit of the Spirit. Love is the stem by which the fruit is expressed, by which those characteristics come about. And I don't know if you thought about this, but in terms of a, of a fruit or something that grows on the vine or a tree or a plant, that the stem, the stem is something we don't even pay attention to because we just want to, you know, we want to quickly kind of rip it off and it gets lost in the trash and the peelings, you know. But when it comes to fruit... Stem represents the life, right? Stem supports, this stem, this little tiny thing, supports all of this fruit when it's on the tree. The stem is what connects the fruit itself to the life source of the plant, of the vine, of the tree. The stem is what's connecting them. It is the pathway by which the fruit becomes the fruit because an apple tree is going to create apples, right? That's the stem. The power of the stem in terms of thinking about the fruit is the fact that he says early in this chapter, look, the the thing that matters, the thing that's going to come to bear is not this rule that you keep inserting into your relation with God. It's it's love. It's your faith expression. Expression, again, it's self in love. Love is not just the first of the list. It falls right into the law of Christ. It falls right into the way he said, I want you to love others the way I have loved you. Love is the stem that supports the whole thing, that supports all of the characteristics of patience and joy and faithfulness and long-suffering and, 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 and self-discipline and kindness and goodness. Like, love is the path. It's the, it's the thing that supports it all. He continues on because, again, this is a, this is a big thought for Paul. He's got a big context here. It's not just reading the little list that we, sometimes we pull out of context. This is, a, this is a big deal. The church is struggling to be free and live in the freedom that God has called them to. He goes on to say this. You were running the race so well. right? You were doing great as a church, as people. Who held you back? Who has held you back from following the truth? 
It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. Paul wants them to understand. Guys, you were doing so well to live and experience the freedom that Christ came to bring you and the life expressing this out in your life. You were seeing the fruit happen in your life, expressing itself in love. Who stopped you? What happened? I love that Paul brings this up. Don't blame God. Don't you go blaming God. It's not God's fault that you're frustrated. It's not God's fault that you're struggling. It's not God. God's the one who brought you freedom. He's like, don't blame God. God's the one who called you to be free. You're struggling for a different reason. You're frustrated for a different reason. And he wants you to know that that reason, that thing, this false teaching, he says, this false teaching, especially talking about this law, this rule, it's like a little bit of yeast that just taints the whole thing. It just destroys the whole batch of dough. It just, you know, breeds and grows through all of it. When you talk about the process of fruit growing, as Chris said last week, encounter formation expression. This is what I believe at the core is what Paul is saying is the false teaching, the thing that happens to us. We think that doing is going to equal being. We think that by doing the right things, by accomplishing the right things, by checking off the list, checking off the boxes, okay, what is it? Love, got to be better at love, got to be better at patience, got to be better at joy, that we can be the people God called us to be, that we can experience the, the transformation and the renewing of our mind if we would just do the things he called us to do. And that is the false teaching that just permeates everything versus the way it was intended is that being, out of being, was going to flow the doing. Out of being who you were called to be. I've called you to freedom. It's out of Christ I've set you free. I want you to stay free. Don't get lost in this, in this rule game, this religious game of the doing, thinking that that's going to help you be someone, be right with God be the person that God called you to be. No, God is always much more driven by his economy, which is he wants to change your being, encounter, transformation, than expression. He's, he wants to know what you're gonna, who you're going to be. What you're, the being part is the biggest issue for God because the doing is supposed to flow out of that. The doing is supposed to be something that just expresses itself in that. He said, listen, this, this, this bad teaching where people, and listen, this is a lot of what people deal with in the church. And, they, and the problem is, is that it's not even necessarily the church is teaching it. It's that the filter by which we receive things is we receive things like this. Okay, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do next? Well, what am I supposed to do about that? What would, you know, WWJD, what would Jesus do? I don't think it should be what would Jesus do. I think it should be how did Jesus respond Jesus always responded out of who he was. It has nothing to do with what he did. What he did had to do with who he was. And that's where everything begins. And that is where the fruit is formed. But it changes how we live, live out our Christian lives. It changes how we see God. When we filter everything by the, well, if I can just do the right things, then I can be 
the right person. He continues on. Again, this, this is part of the whole context of this chapter. He says, so I say to you, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Are you, are you seeing this come up again and again in this chapter? Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Okay? Again, goes back to let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. This is the being part. Then you won't do what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that is opposite of what the sinful nature wants. These two forces, and we're going to talk about this, these two forces are constantly fighting. You're at home, I want you to say those words. Constantly fighting. I can't hear you. Say them again. Ready? Constantly fighting. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Paul says, listen, you need to understand, there is a war, there is a battle happening. One of the reasons you're frustrated, it's not God. There's a false teaching in there. You're trying to do things before you be something. And it's, and it's permeating everything. It's changing how you see God. It's changing how you live. You're not living in freedom anymore. And he says, there's these things, there's two forces in you at work. It's the flesh versus the spirit. And they are at war all the time. Now, we're not going to talk this morning about who's more powerful. We come from the place in terms of Scripture that the Spirit of God has overcome the world. That the, that's what Jesus said he was going to do. That the Spirit of God, you can crucify the flesh and live by the Spirit of God. So it's not an issue of who's got the more power. It's the issue of who are we listening to? It's an issue of how are we choosing to live? Is it by my way, my strength, my choices, my decisions? Or is it because I'm led by the Spirit? We who are led by the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit guide our lives. Do you guys see the difference? This is the war. And listen, these two forces are at war throughout the whole process. The flesh does not want you to take all the encounters and opportunities you have and take them to God and, and pray through it and work through how God would want you to respond. It wants you to shoot from the hip with your good intentions and respond your way. It'll be fine. You got this, it'll say to you. You got this. The transformation, the renewing of your mind, the process that the Spirit wants to take you through to help you think differently, that's at war with the flesh. No, you just do you, boo. You just do you. You got this. You're fine. You don't need anybody help. You don't need any other help. You know, no, you, you, you know you better than anyone else knows you. So you just do you. It's at war with the flesh. The flesh doesn't want you expressing the fruit of the Spirit of God to the people in your life. He doesn't want you expressing that. He wants you doing what you, what he wants to do. The flesh is at war to do the things the flesh wants to do, which is to satisfy its nature. In your strength, it wants to satisfy itself. <laughs> we see the list. I'm not going to read through all of it, but in verses 19 and 21, you know, Paul doesn't give a, a conclusive list, and it's not listing everything. He's like, look, this is, this is what it looks like. He's kind of saying this to the church, like everybody knows what this looks like. These forces are at work, or you know, against each other. He says, look, 
Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, fighting, jealousy, anger, or you know, when you're angry, selfish, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, <laughs> and other sins like these. This is where Paul's like, yeah, this isn't a conclusive list. This isn't everything. But he's basically telling the church, guys, you already know that's what the flesh wants to do. And I would say this to you, church. You already know. You already know. What does it look like to do things that you want to do your way, in your strength? And th- these are all things you do. These, nobody would classify these as who you are. They would say, no, 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 that's not, that's not who I am. That's, these are things that I do or express. But here it says Jesus gives the list again, or sorry, Paul gives the list through what the Spirit does in us. He says it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what the Spirit wants. And if you notice, this list isn't so much about doing, but about being. The Spirit wants you to be these things and then express these things to others. As we close up this section He gives out that list. Here's how he closes this part of Galatians 5. Chris read a portion of it last week, but I want us to look at again the theme that we saw from the very beginning. Those who belong to Christ, we've nailed the passions and desires of our sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. That's that's Paul speaking in that affirmative language of, listen, this is people who have surrendered their life to God, this is what we did. Okay? We did this. And it's something that has to be done every day. Because it's a process of surrendering, not just for salvation, but surrendering our flesh to him, crucifying it there, our desires and our passions, so that we can live by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, so we can live that way. And here he says it again. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading. In every, everybody say every, right, in every part of our lives. Matter of fact, the NIV actually says, if we're following the Spirit's leading, we're going to keep in step with the Spirit. I love the visual of that three-legged race. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about? A three-legged race when you and someone else are together and your, your legs that are touching. We can't do it right now because of the social distancing or whatever. But, you know, the legs that's touching, you kind of bind them together. And you have to race each other. Or you have to race other people in the same way. It's called the three-legged race. And the thing that I love about that visual is the fact that this is what it looks like when, when Paul's saying, I want you to keep in step with the Spirit. Let the Spirit guide our lives. Stay in step with the Spirit. Because that is what's going to make the difference. Now, it's not, he doesn't end it there. I want you to see this last phrase in the chapter. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Now, it seems strange that Paul would end this thought, this big thought, with these words. But here's what I want, here's what I want you to know. And this is a big deal, okay? Here we are being challenged and called to, to, for encounter and formation and expression of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We are called to be Spirit-led Fruit-filled, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, right? Like, these are things supposed to be filling our lives. We have to beware of the comparison trap. We've got to beware of the comparison trap. And here's what Paul's saying, and I want you to catch this as we kind of move our way to the end today. 
Our flesh is so tricky. Our flesh, like us being in control, our way, our things, is so tricky. It can masquerade. It can put on the clothes. It can masquerade as a good Christian. That's what our flesh is able to do. See, it can be all, if we get it all about the doing and we have our checklist and we're, and we're saying, yeah, I understand we're supposed to be and, and be connected and Jesus said, remain in me and I'll remain in you. Yeah, I mean, I know all these things, but I'm still living it the way I feel like it should look. I'm still living it out of my strength the way I feel like love, I, I want to live the way love I think love looks like. I want to I live the way I think joy looks like. I want to live the way I think patience is supposed to look like. I mean, I can be patient with this person, but I can't be patient with that. You know, you don't even know what they did over there. And it can, the flesh can literally masquerade itself as a Christian and convince us that we are doing all the right things. Oh, look at all the fruit that we have. You see, how, you see how loving I was today? Nailed it, right? Nailed it. And here we can take something that Paul says is a spirit-led, fruit-filled, where the spirit produces this in us. And we can make it all about us. We can make it all about what we did. We can make it all about what we did. And when we do that, see the words that Paul says, yeah, you don't need to become self-righteous, right? No, don't need to be conceited and self-righteous. That's the flesh masquerading as fruit. You don't need to provoke other people. Again, just because you're right doesn't mean you're expressing the fruit of the Spirit. You get in that argument. You get in that debate. And you show them how right you are because you read more Scripture than they did. God's not pleased. That is the flesh masquerading as fruit. Don't provoke one another. And don't be jealous Guys, it's not what the Christian family is supposed to be. You're not supposed to be jealous of how other people live and, and live out the fullness and the expression of God in their life. It's not what it's supposed to look like. It's the fruit that's being formed in us by our encounters with God and our encounters every day with opportunities to, to show people how much love God has for them and the characteristics to rise up and be seen in our life to be faithful, to be joy-filled, to be gentle, to be good, right? We have to do that, and the only way to do that is through a relationship-driven process. We all want a checklist. Let's, let's just all be honest today. We ask a thousand people for advice on what to do, we even sometimes go to the Bible only like an encyclopedia so we can see what we're supposed to do. We will go to churches and ask pastors and teachers, and we will ask pastors and teachers, and we will go find sermons that will support what we want to do. And here is this, all that Paul's saying all throughout this whole section of this part of the book to Galatians. Listen, guys, there's no easy way to do it. The easiest way to do it is just to live by the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit guide you in every part of your life. Keep in step with Him. And you won't have to worry about the doing because He will be transforming you by those encounters to express love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, and all the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. Here's the way Jesus, this is how I'm going to close it today. This is the way Jesus said it. And I want you to just listen to Jesus' words. He tried to, Paul, of course, is explaining why we're going to struggle with this. But here's how Jesus said it, just to be really clear. You can identify them by their fruit. Talking about the people of God, the people of the way, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from a thorn bush or figs from thistles? The answer is no. A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad can't produce good fruit. Jesus is like, it doesn't get any clearer than that. Every tree that does not produce good fruit then is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Why? Because it's useless. It's not doing what it's supposed to do. He ends it again by saying, yes, you can identify a tree by its fruit just like you can identify people by their actions. Jesus did not say this to raise up a, a group, an army of doers, <laughs> an army of followers. I want to do the fruit. He, he said all this to say, I want you to be the good tree. I want, you to, I want you to live in me, remain in me, and I will remain in you. I want you to be grafted to the vine. I want you to become this person who's led by God every step of the way. And when you do that, guys, you're going to produce good fruit. That's just the way it is. Although Chris described it last week that it's, it all comes together. You may see, you may struggle with certain ones and think, well, I'm doing okay. I'm, you know, I'm nailing it on the love part, but I'm struggling on the patience part. That's, just, that's not how it works. When the Spirit of God is leading your life, it all grows together. It all grows together. This is a fruit of the Spirit that has the characteristics that, that are named after the love, the joy, the peace, the patience. That, that's the characteristics of the fruit, of bearing fruit, the, 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 of, to bear the fruit that God has placed in our life. If we remember anything about this series, I want to remember how fruit is grown, the process, encounter, formation, expression. And as much as we want the list, as much as we want the list and the, and the rules, that's what our flesh wants because our flesh wants to be in control. How we get there is we're led by the Holy Spirit and not the flesh. We have to be willing to lead our lives, live our lives, led by the Holy Spirit of God. There's nothing more tragic, nothing more tragic than Christians who, because their flesh wins the battle every time, and they've, masquer they've allowed their flesh to masquerade as a good Christian, and they have filled their life trying to do the good fruit. They've tried to, tried to do the things that they feel like they're called to do, and yet, when their life is over, they will not be described as Jesus described them as a good tree that produced good fruit. They will be labeled Christians, and they will have lived fruitless lives. There's nothing more tragic than that. So my challenge as we close today is just really begin to reflect, not on whether or not you, know, you can do this, but whether or not you see this evidence in your life. 
the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness and the goodness and the faithfulness and the self-control? Like, do you even see that evidence in your life? If not, it's because you're really not living by the Spirit of God. It's not the, you're allowing, for whatever reason, the flesh to lead you. My prayer today, this morning, is that all of us would na- nail our passions and our desires of the flesh to the cross. And we would follow the Spirit of God in every way, step by step, in step with Him, so we can experience Spirit-led, fruit-filled lives. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. There's no challenge today greater than to help all of us, God, by your spirit, understand the battle that's at at stake between our flesh and you and your spirit. And that ultimately, God, who we choose to listen to, who we choose to submit to, who we choose to allow to lead us our way or your way is really the determining factor as to whether we're going to see, encounter, experience the, the, the formation and transformation and expression of the fruit of you in our lives. We pray by your power, Jesus, and through your spirit in us that you would make this moment a moment of transformation today, that we would begin to focus on being the good tree not the good fruit, that we would focus on on who you're calling us to be rather than thinking it's all about what you're calling us to do. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.